Chapter 26, Always Tell Your Mama, a chapter on tetanus. Franklin never told his mom about the gash. He'd gotten all types of wounds and injuries over the years, and they always healed just fine without her kissing them all better. He wasn't three anymore. But a week later, when he couldn't eat his breakfast, he knew he needed his mommy. Come on, Franklin Jr., finish your breakfast. The school bus'll be here any minute. But, Mom, I can't chew my food. My mouth won't work. Well, then, finish your juice and get. I can see the bus coming down the lane. Backpack on, lunchbox in hand, Franklin was ushered out the door and down the front porch steps, then made his own way down the dirt driveway to the country lane where the bus would stop. Amy Walker stood on the porch watching her son as the morning sun reflected off his white blonde hair. First day of second grade. He looks so big, he'll be as tall as his daddy someday, maybe taller. She saw him stumble and fall. What the? Franklin Jr., you better not scuff those brand new patches on them pants of yours. She watched her son get up, dust off his knees, pick up his lunchbox, and make it to the open doors of the bus that only needed to wait for about 30 seconds. That boy, just like his daddy, never a clean piece of clothing on him. If he comes home with... She saw the brake lights on the back of the bus as it came to a halt less than a minute later. The door opened, and the bus driver, that looks like Tom Mason's boy, waved his hands in her direction, all SOS-like. What in blazes? The number of reasons why the bus would stop flashed through her mind as she made the two-minute jog down the drive, then diagonally across a corner of the field, straight in a beeline to the little crowd of children and one adult gathered around the open door. Did that boy forget his lunch? No. Did he finally decide to stand up to that Jones bully? No, sadly. Did he have another fit? One of them seizures again? God, I hope not. He ain't had one for years. Did the bus driver have some sort of heart attack? No, there he is, standing right there, still waving at me. I'm coming, damn it. The little crowd parted as Amy approached, and Joe Mason reported, He don't look real good, Ms. Walker. Says he can't feel his legs or something. Franklin Jr. sat leaning up against the large front tire of the bus, a mixture of guilt and worry on his face. My legs won't work right, Mama, he said through clenched teeth, and look at my arm. That was when Amy Walker knew something was seriously wrong. She stood up and turned toward the house and called out in her shrill voice that was known across the county, Franklin Sr., get the truck started up and get it over here now. Mrs. Walker, Mr. Walker, I'm not 100% certain yet, but I'm pretty sure that little Franklin has tetanus. Dr. Tom Jameson, now a grandfather himself, had heard the stories from his grandpa about tetanus during the war, the first war. He'd shared all kinds of stories with him and his little brother, Mike, and that's why they'd both gone into medicine. Their grandpa had been a field medic, and when he heard both his grandsons were going to be doctors, real bona fide doctors, he pulled every story he could think of out of his hat. And one particular lesson that had stuck with Dr. Jameson was about tetanus. See, back then, all we had was horses. 
None of them jeeps or tanks. It was horses what got us around fast. All that horse manure and all that dirt, it was a heyday for tetanus. So listen, if you ever have a patient come in complaining that they can't move their jaw and their face, arms, or legs don't work right and their muscles are twitching, you pay attention now, you hear? Fifty years later, working all those long hours as an ER doc out here in the middle of nowhere, even with all these farms and horses around, Dr. Jameson had managed to never see a single case of tetanus, not a one, until now. I bet Mike's never seen it either up there in the Northwest, although maybe he has with all those logging accidents. Wait, he's a pediatrician, so probably not. I wish he'd stayed here in Texas, though. Maybe he wouldn't be so close to early retirement like he told me the other day. Something about all his partners making some business decisions he didn't like, but he didn't want to get into it over the phone. Tetanus? Lockjaw? But he ain't injured. Can we see him, Doc? Yes, come on, he's resting. He's feeling okay, just a little weak. And scared. See, he showed me the wound on his leg. Said he got it about a week back, but thought he knew how to clean it out. It's healing okay, but that may be where the tetanus got in. They passed a few other patients and nurses on their way to the corner of the room, where Franklin Jr. lay on an exam table, an IV going into his arm, and a heart monitor displaying his vital signs. He was asleep. We have him sedated because the muscle twitching was getting a little painful. I already have antibiotics and the antitoxin going into him through the IV. I'm not sure if it'll make a difference at this point, but we're doing everything we can for him. So it was the wound that did this to him, you think? Asked Mr. Walker. Probably, although tetanus can happen from a whole variety of reasons. Surgery, burns, crush wounds, dental infections, animal bites, piercings, and tattoos. It isn't always from a deep, dirty wound. Some cases don't even have an obviously identifiable cause. Why is his arm so stiff? asked Mrs. Walker, holding her son's hand. That's the tetanus toxin affecting his nerves. See, tetanus is a bacteria, Clostridium tetany. But the bacteria don't really do much harm. It's the toxin they secrete that does the damage. A little bit of tetanus would be harmless, but if enough of the germs are allowed to fester and multiply in a deep wound that isn't cleaned out well, or introduced in one of those other ways I mentioned, then the toxin secreted by all those germs finds its way through the bloodstream into nerve cells. It binds to the nerves and paralyzes them. For some reason, the nerves that control the jaw muscles are often the first to be affected, but the toxin can spread to other nerves and paralyze any part of the body. That's why you are giving him the antitoxin, but you said you're not sure if it'll work. Well, the antitoxin is actually antibodies taken from donated blood units. They filter out any antibodies that healthy people have against tetanus toxin, antibodies they generated from getting the vaccine. These batches of antibodies are pooled together from several donors until there's enough to use in a patient. We infuse the antibodies, and these antibodies will go through the bloodstream and find any toxin floating around and neutralize it. The problem is, it won't neutralize any toxin that is already bound to his nerves. 
so any nerves already affected might stay paralyzed for weeks. We should have given him his shots, Frank. We shouldn't have been so afraid of doctors. Franklin Sr. nodded. Well, if he'd cleaned out the wound, or even better, told you about the wound so you could thoroughly clean it, this likely wouldn't have happened. Tetanus doesn't just infect every wound it gets into. Thorough cleaning usually flushes out enough of the tetanus germs so that they don't take hold, but allow the germs to sit in there and fester for days and you get tetanus. But yes, if he'd had his tetanus shots, they give it mixed in with pertussis and diphtheria as five or six doses throughout childhood. He would have his own antibodies against the tetanus toxin, and those would likely have neutralized the toxins on their own. Also, and I'm sorry to say it, if he'd come to you sooner and fessed up that he hadn't cleaned out his wound, we could have given him the antitoxin, called TIG, or tetanus immune globulin, at any time before these symptoms began and he'd likely not have gotten sick. Most minor wounds and punctures we wouldn't even worry about, but his looks like it was fairly deep. But he wouldn't have known, and I know how these boys are, not wanting to go crying to Mama for everything. Wait, you said you've never seen tetanus before, so how do you know this is it? Well, the timing fits. It usually takes about a week for tetanus symptoms to start after an injury. And he told me he got this wound last Monday. But there aren't any special tests we can do to confirm it, we just have to go based on his symptoms, and I'm fairly certain I'm right. There are two types of tetanus, local and generalized. Local tetanus is when the toxin only affects the nerves and muscles near the wound. Those muscles contract and stiffen up for several weeks, then gradually relax and return to normal. The second type is generalized tetanus, and that's what I think Franklin has. The toxin spreads to the spinal cord and brain and starts to affect other parts of the body. But yes, tetanus is now so rare, most docs won't ever see it in their lifetime. In fact, in the entire U.S., there's only about one case in young kids each year. If you include older kids and teens, there are roughly five cases a year. In adults, there are between 20 and 15 each year in the whole country. Some are in people who don't get their shots, but some happen in people who got their shots but didn't get a tetanus booster. And it's not just rare because many people are vaccinated. We are simply better at cleaning wounds and using sterile equipment for procedures. Many folks around here don't get all their shots, and they'll go their whole lives without tetanus in most cases. So I wouldn't blame yourself over this. Honestly, the statistical chance that any one child is going to get tetanus is tens of millions to one. We should have taught that boy to clean his wounds better. We should have told him always to ask us for help. We should have... His daddy trailed off, probably thinking of too many shouldas that had come to mind. We should have got him his damn shots. That's what we should have done, declared his mama. Well now, Mrs. Walker, maybe yes, but there's risk in getting the shots too. Kids can have seizures, something that Franklin Jr. already had a risk of. There are even paralyzing syndromes people can get from strange immune reactions to the shots. In fact, with tetanus being so rare, you're probably more likely to have something bad happen from the shot than you are to get tetanus. 
so don't knock yourself about this. I know you're just trying to be nice, Doc, and we appreciate that, but if we were going to skip the shots, we should have taught him how to take proper care of his wounds, living on a farm and all, and to speak up. We could have prevented this by having him seen for his wound. We could have gotten him the what? Tick shot? Tig shot. We could have gotten him that, and he would have been fine. And it would have been okay that we'd skipped the shots. We should have been better prepared if we were going to skip the shots. So what's the plan? We just watch and wait? We're going to need to transfer him by ambulance into the city. He'll need to stay in the hospital there until there's no sign that the nerves and muscles that control his breathing and other vital functions are being affected. Honestly, because a whole week has gone by and some nerve symptoms have already set in, the toxin is likely already bound to other vital nerves. He may continue to decline, even after starting the antibiotics and the TIG. There is about an 11% fatality rate, so we need to be prepared in an ICU to support his breathing and anything else we may need to do, and that's better done in a full hospital, not out here. But it is possible that we got to him in time for none of that to happen. The next few days will tell us.